just the fear versus faith, you know, and that mindset alone, it, it goes so far when things get hard and things are hard right now. Like I'm coming off the two slowest weeks of, that I've had since like 2017. It's crazy. And that's like in my brain, I'm like, oh, but I just know that there's going to be opportunities also in this as well. And I just have to keep, I'm, I'm financially ready for it. I'm immensely trying to be ready for it emotionally. And it's just a matter of, of continuing the grind. And those that work through it are going to, you know, going to be the ones that make it. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Kurt, your host of the Built Backstory podcast, where we bring on guests who have built their business, their brand, and their life and dive into their backstories. Today's episode was awesome. We brought on McCray Hepler, who started a title company and dove into his story about how he went from selling door-to-door, doing door-to-door sales, to becoming a part owner of a gym and then opening up the title company with a pretty special partner. So um, it's a really cool episode. Uh, It's awesome to hear McCray's take on the things that have become super important in his business, like customer service, creating raving fans, and ultimately relationship sales. He's focused on doing what he does best, which is creating good relationships and providing value and making other people's life easier. And that's led to create even more business and recurring business for him at the title company. Uh, He gives a really good explanation as well as to what is a title company. Um, I think it's a thing that a lot of people don't really know about. They just know that it's part of the real estate transaction process, but it's probably the least familiar part of uh, people's experience. So this is an awesome episode with McCray. I was super grateful for him to come on and share some time with me. I think you're going to get a lot of value from this in creating your dream life and, and, and looking for opportunities in in every part of your life to go and chase your dreams. And, and it's just one decision away, one mindset away, one actionable step away to becoming what you want your life to be. So enjoy the episode. And without further ado, let's jump in with McCray. McCray, welcome to the Built Backstory podcast, man. Thanks for being here, dude. What's up, man? Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I'm excited to dive into your, your story. So, uh, but yeah, maybe start off. What's uh, what's new with you, man? What you got going on this week? Ah, uh, just uh, things have. Uh, so I'm in I'm in real estate, one part of the real estate game, and so it's 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 interesting these days. Uh, things are kind of uncertain, and with rates going the way they are, and inflation and everything, it's impacting our business. And it's been an interesting last couple weeks. Uh, two of my slowest weeks we've actually had in a long time um the last two weeks but so far yesterday today we've got a little bit more uh traction uh more deals coming in so i don't know it's just it's an interesting time right now (laughs) for sure like it's you're you're in a business man where there's so many ebbs and flows right it just kind of moves around there's a lot of high points where i'm sure you're crazy busy and there's got to be low points where you're kind of you know probably focus more on the marketing side of things to, to gain more business, but maybe you can kind of start off and talk about, you know, you say you're in the real estate game, tell people what your business yeah. is, what you do. And, and yeah, we'll go from there. Yeah. So, um, I own Eagle gate title here in St. George. Uh, we own and operate this branch, uh, there, we have two partners that own, uh, there's three up North, uh, in the salt from Orem to Salt Lake area. So we can actually do transactions throughout the whole state. Um, 
title is something that's very misunderstood or not not even misunderstood but just people have no idea what we do and but we are the third party of the real estate transaction where closing happens and so you have your lender if you're buying a house you have your lender and you have your realtor uh and we're the we're where closing happens and so that's really the kind of the easy way to put it because a lot of people understand oh yeah i'm going to close on my house tomorrow most of them don't know that they're going to come to us and so um it's we've actually taken an approach uh in our in our business where people will understand by the time they get here uh where they're headed but a lot of times it's just you're going to this location to sign documents and a lot there's sometimes where people think we're the lender uh which is kind of funny but um i, I love, was gonna say I there's love... there's probably a lot of like when people go and and buy a house or they sell their house or whatever like you're saying they don't they don't know really what a title company is they don't know what what closing always means right they kind of go no. to like they understand that they they hire their their real estate agent who's going to be the person who either sells their house or their buying agent who's going to like send them deals that they can look at and decide what they want to get and go show right. homes and stuff but they never really understand what happens after that i think they kind of understand up into like the underwriting portion where it's like i understand that my agent like now hooked me up with a lender and that lender is telling me like numbers and i got to send them stuff and then there's right. a team of underwriters that <laughs> underwrite the property but then like after that, they're like, yeah, I don't know. I just go to a place and sign papers and they, they give me a key or whatever. Right. So maybe yeah. you can dive in a little bit, a little bit more and, and it's cool. So I, I actually just bought a house and I use you guys as a title company, yeah. which was awesome. And exactly like you said, I felt way more knowledgeable and, and comfortable going to the closing table just because I was getting emails from your team. I got phone calls from your team and they really helped me understand more of what a titles company's role is. So maybe you can even dive into that a little bit further for, for the listeners. Yeah. So yes, you, and it's such a whirlwind, especially if you're buying a home and especially if you're buying a first home, you have no idea what's going on except for the fact that you found the house that you wanted. And now you're just trying to get all the information to your lender as, as quickly as you can. And that's all you're really like most of the time, that's what you're thinking about. And so you are thinking about closing, but like you said, a lot of times, People just know that they're going somewhere to sign. And so, but the, we do play a crucial part. And I'm glad that you did realize that because we have taken a proactive approach where a lot of times, uh, and it's not that it's necessarily a bad thing, but uh, sometimes there's not much communication between the title company and the actual borrower or the, well, the seller. There is more uh, just because a lot of times we're, we're gathering information from them if they have a mortgage we're helping them with the payoff of the mortgage or the HOA, different things. But from a buyer standpoint, most of your communication was, is with the lender, which is fine. Uh, but we do like to have that involvement throughout as well. So that when the time comes, like, you know, where you're going and you're not just going somewhere just to sign documents. So, um, that is one thing in our world, it, you know, customer service is a huge piece of our business. Uh, because most people don't know what we do and but if we knock it out of the park and they'd let their agent know or their lender know most of the time that's where i get all my business so i market to real estate agents lent mortgage lenders builders developers those are the people that know what how, why we exist and so they're the ones that refer us 
And so the more that I can have like five star experiences with the client and then they go and can tell their lender or realtor how that experience was, the more that I can expect to be able to continue getting those, you know, getting those referrals. And so, um, but as far as our involvement, uh, without getting too into the weeds, when you buy a house, you expect that house, you know, like for example, your house, you got a mortgage on that house. You expect that that mortgage is, and is the only thing that is, that is t on that property for you to pay off. Um, you have a trust deed that the, that we recorded at closing that ties the lender to that. So if you stop making payments, that's how the lender gets their recourse through foreclosure is through that document. We, we record that and we are, our, our, our product is the title policy, which ensures that anything that the seller had previously was all paid off through closing or doesn't exist any longer on the property. So that's mortgages, HOA liens, federal tax liens, all kinds of different liens. It also ensures that, that if there was a grandma that thought that she owned a piece of that property for some reason, or there was any type of interest, we take on that responsibility and that, and that um, risk so that you in two years, if someone knocks on your door and says, Hey, actually I, I own some of this property and I didn't get paid out at closing. So here I am. <laughs> what know, the heck, right? <laughs> uh, that type of stuff doesn't, that, that, that type of risk falls back on us. And so, but throughout the process of the closing, we are where you sign. We are also where all the money comes in. So when I say third party, uh, there's, there's the lender, there's you, there's your real estate agent, and there's the seller. We are the company in between all those parties that takes in all the documents, make sure all the documents are correct. And then we take in all the money, make sure all the money is correct. Uh, and then we pay the set when you, when your funds come in from you and from your lender, we disperse those funds to the seller, but there's also, there's various I mean, there's sometimes where we're paying out like 10 or 15 companies on a transaction because there's insurance and there's HOA, there's property taxes with the county. So we're gathering all this information and putting it into what you know as the settlement statement or your CD, your, your closing disclosure. And that's the list of, of both the seller and the buyer. And essentially we're the ones that we're the finish line. So once all the money is right, once all the documents are right, we push record with the county. And that is when you become, as a buyer, become the new homeowner or dirt Man. owner. Really, it's, yeah. it's, you own the dirt, you own the house as well. Uh, but when you transfer title, really, you're, you're transferring that dirt. So That's awesome. No, I think that's a great a great description of what a title company does, right? I mean, you guys... I feel like wear so many hats that are kind of behind the scenes of stuff that people just don't normally yeah. realize, right? Um, a couple of things that I want to dive into there that that you you talked about, which I love. First off, it was well, they're kind of two in the same thing, but it's that customer service aspect that you focus on and talk about, right? And one of the yeah. things you said that I thought was crucial was you want to go create a five star experience for you know, your clients for the, for the people that are there at the closing table, buying the house or whatever. And 
that in turn, if you create a great experience for them, they're going to tell their agent that it was a great experience, which like in my case, I, I knew you beforehand, but when my agent right. told me, Hey, did you already have a title company in mind? Like I have a couple recommendations. Here's this, 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 and this or whatever. And I said, well, I want to go to Eagle gate title. Cause I know McCray is a good dude. Like I want to give him the, the business for it. Um, and then they responded and, and that was one of the recommendations they actually gave me. But if you think about that, where if I provide a great experience to my client and they tell their agent that then becomes on the agent's radar to recommend it to people, because if someone doesn't know what a title company does and their agent just says, Hey, do you have a title company of mine you want to use? They're going to be like, I have no freaking clue. Like, I don't know any right. title companies. I don't even know what they do. So they rely on their agent to, to give them that recommendation. You want to be that agent's first recommendation, right? Exactly. So and that just goes into, yeah, sure. I love that. And that just goes into like treating, especially as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, as a, as a whatever, treat every single engagement that you have as a networking opportunity. Like when you're an entrepreneur, like you are your business, you know what I mean? So right. you got to be that business everywhere you go. And, and I think that's a cool, cool uh, way to think about it. But yeah, um, and especially in real estate or any service business, I mean, it's every interaction. And that's what I tell my team all the time is like, every interaction that we have is so crucial. And even when even and especially in real estate, where not everyone's always in a good mood in this in this industry, the people are usually if they're buying, they're excited. Uh, but it's also it. Uh, it's a roller coaster. And so you have all these emotions that come into play. And then you have sellers. Sometimes selling is great. Sometimes there's divorce involved or there's, there's different aspects where we're dealing with people during some of the most intense emotional times of their life. So we have to be really careful because if, even if, even if it's not our fault and something goes wrong, sometimes we get the brunt because we're the ones that it comes down to like everything funnels down into into us so sometimes we get laid on with stuff that doesn't even it's not even our it's nothing to do with us um but that's why our response to everything is so important and we one of our mottos is kill them with kindness um because we just have to every interaction is so important and even if even if it wasn't our fault if we react in a, in a, in a bad way. And then that, that leads into, you know, the lender or the realtor or, or whoever, that's where it can, it can go south. So really every interaction is, is so crucial. Has, has customer service always been something that you wanted to focus on even when you started or like, did you learn the value of it as time went on? Like, was it a, yeah, a pillar no, for it, you when you started or what? It was a pillar for sure because I realized quickly. So I came from the door to door um, industry. I sold for Vivint. I did uh, alarms, home automation for four years. One thing that I, as a rep, I thought Vivint's customer service was was far and away better than anybody else. And most of that because I knew that I was the, I knew I could provide, I knew I would go above and beyond. And I got that actually one of the books that I still remember raving fans um, was one of the very first books you read sales books as a door to door guy. Right. And so um, that's, I, I dropped out of school initially, essentially because I started reading books instead. 
And that book was one of the books that I'll, I'll always remember because um, I knew that if I went into a neighborhood and I could get one raving fan, then I, and, and the product of Vivian, it wasn't even so much the customer service, but I knew that the product of home automation at that time, back in 2011, 12, everybody had old ADT just nonsense, right? And it was, it was actually something that I didn't think I could sell. And when I first started selling, I, uh, the only reason I sold with Vivint and that I went with, with alarms was because of home automation, because I knew it was something that I could get passionate behind. And, and so I knew that if I could create one raving fan in a neighborhood, that it would go a long way and I could end up getting more and more raving fans. Um, and that's just one of the principles that I took from Vivint was the customer service slash rave creating raving fans because i knew that it's just a snowball effect and i wasn't a typical door-to-door -door guy i wouldn't just go blitz a neighborhood i would i would sometimes i tell agents this all the time because sometimes they're knocking doors I, I would sometimes know the neighborhood better than the people that live there and so i would name drop like crazy but i would become friends with everyone in the neighborhood and i would get referrals in that neighborhood quite frequently um and I just knew, and, and so anyway, that was just one of the things that I learned in door to door that I immediately from day one had in mind. Now, I, I also have a partner who is, happens to be my mom. That's, we'll get into that story, but she is like the definition of whatever it takes for your client, whatever it takes, like customer service, hands down. So when we started it, it's been a transition or it's been a it's been a process of, of building on our team and getting it dialed in. But from day one, that was like the thing, because we know that no one knows what a title company is, except for, again, realtors, lenders, builders, develop anybody that's helping with real estate. We know that we don't get any business other than from those people. And there's only so many of those people and there's only so many transactions happening. So in order to keep that business and in order for, and that's we're, we're really reliant on repeat business from these agents or lenders or builders. And so in order to keep getting that, you have to do something different. You have to give an, an execution of uh, execution and customer service is the number one thing that you can provide. So first off, what a what a good partner to have, right? Like not just her being yeah. a mom, but also someone who's always willing to go above and beyond for your clients. That's huge. Yeah. And yeah, the more that I talk to like agents and people in the real estate space, and, and it's kind of true for every business, but repeat customers are like, there needs to be so much more of a focus on repeat customers than just yeah. marketing for new business, right? Sure. And a lot of it comes down to if a repeat customer already like knows the process, like a repeat customer should be easier and a higher ROI for them to come back and use you than for you to actually spend time, money, and energy on getting new customers oh, yeah. and clients. Right. Absolutely. Um, so I love that, but yeah, I think that's great. I, I loved your, your kind of how you dove into your past a little bit about selling at Vivint and that's where you learned about, um, first off, probably where you learned about sales, right. But you learned oh, yeah. that sales, really isn't like a, a push, push, push way. Like the way no. to get really good at sales is learning how to like pull and help people like gravitate towards you and what you have. And you did that by believing in your product and being passionate about it and also creating raving fans. Like you said, like yeah. you weren't there just to like 
so many people go to sales and they're like, oh, it's just a numbers game. Like knock doors, do your pitch. If they say no, move on, whatever, like keep doing it, keep doing it. Or you got to learn how to like attack right. those, those, you know, objections that people give you and, and blah, blah, blah. But like you learned really how to, how to go about it in a different way. Right. And, and help people yeah. come to you. I think that's cool, but I think it's a good, good kind of moment where we can dive into kind of how the, the title company came to be right. So yeah. you're at Vivint did. So from Vivint and door to door sales, is that when you started the title company was the next, the next thing? Yeah. So during that time, so I started, I, I did Vivint 2011 to 2015. During that time in 2014, my, I had three friends that started a gym here and uh, it was a personal training gym and two of them were, or one of them was leaving uh, town and, and the other two were going to keep running it. And so he was actually the one that had, that had come in with most of the funding. And so I came in to buy him out and this was right before my, my, the summer of 2014. And the idea was not for me. The idea was for me to invest in this gym. It wasn't to run the gym. It was just as a, an investor at the time. And it's, it's who I am today, right? I'm always looking for an opportunity to, um, to invest. I love investing of all kinds. And at the time I, I thought that it would be a path, a good passive investment. And I learned really quickly. So that was in April. I, I, we did it all. And the idea was for me to still go out and sell that summer. Um, and to always continue to go out and sell because that was just an investment for me. And my partners, my, they, my partner was just going to run the gym and that's how it was going to be. And I was just going to make, I had a I had little percentage and it was essentially my first taste of business, but initially as an investor. And so I go out and sell, come home and it turned into my full-time, my full-time job. And it, it, I, I enjoyed a lot of it, but it was never, it was never my thing. Um, it wasn't what I envisioned as my life, my life plans. When I was selling for Vivint growing up and I went on a mission, came home, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew I wanted to be in sales or I, I knew I wanted to be able to control my own destiny. And so, so I gravitated towards sales and just entrepreneurship and Vivint just fast tracked that. And, um, so I just knew that I wanted to start a business here. That's, that's what I, there's the opportunities in St. George are getting more and more, but a lot of my friends moved away because a lot of the most lucrative jobs and on opportunities were outside of St. George, unless you were in real estate or, or, you know, in, uh, a doctor or some, something specialized that I didn't want to be. And I, I guess I shouldn't say I wanted, I was interested in real estate, but outside of real estate construction and those specialized stuff, there just wasn't much. So I was like, I want to start a business, but I don't know what that's going to be. Um, so fast forward to 2014, I was like, okay, this is my first taste of business as an investor slash owner. And anyway, that some, that, that fall, I come home, it becomes my day job. We were growing it. We it's a tough business to be in. Um, we moved uh, locations and through it all, um, we we ended up the the next the next spring. We had an investor lined up. We had this big building we we're gonna do, and I was gonna quit Vivint completely, and we were just gonna build out this huge gym here. And 
investor fell through. So I was like, okay, well, I gotta, I still gotta make money because I'm not making money with the gym. And so I went out or I went back to, and I had told Vivint I was quitting. So I was out with Vivint. Then the deal falls apart. So I go back to Vivint and I'm like, hey, I, I gotta come back out. And so the deal was that I would go out for summer but every, once a month, I would come home and check on the gym, make sure that things were running properly, make sure payments were coming in. And so I go out to Arkansas, and I the first time I come back, I fly in, and I just came to see my mom. So that's where my mom enters the picture. My mom's been in the title business since before I was born, 1987. <clears throat> and she was an escrow officer, always has been an escrow officer. And she worked for two different companies um, before we started EgoGate. Uh, she was the producer, so she was the one, she was the escrow officer doing the closings, but she never owned any part of the business and never was, never was in that part of it. And so, and honestly, never really had intentions or desires for that. She's very simple minded, but the hardest working person uh, that I've ever met. And, um, but she, she never, she just loved doing her closings, going home, and that's just, that was, didn't have to worry about anything else. And so um, I come home and I, I come to see her at her office and they had attorneys in her office shutting the, the company down because her boss was getting um, sued by a former partner and it was just this big mess. And so it's actually in the same building that we're in. It's kind of crazy. So um, I refer to upstairs, I'm down, I'm in our downstairs office and the downstairs office is where we came or where she, well, back up, we're in her office. She's like, we're getting t uh, shut down. Another title company from Salt Lake is taking taking over. I'm not really in love with the new owners, but it is like, it is what it is. The first thing that came out of my mouth was, why don't we just start our own? And she was like, well, you can't just start your own title company. And I was like, well, everybody else has at some point, like there's others in town, like at some point, everybody else has right and she's like well yeah but this and this and this and all these reasons right of like why and i was like well i was like i feel like it's just a perfect opportunity like i want to stop knocking doors i want to start a business here you're the best person in this industry and i know that if i came in and ran the ran the business and i marketed and and brought in new business like i don't see why we can't why we couldn't couldn't do it and so it took me like two months to convince her. It was back and forth, like every week. I was kind of behind the scenes trying to figure out how to start a title company. Um, and uh, essentially we got to where they made her. So our deal was like, okay, I'm just gonna create, you work behind the scenes. I'll just keep working for this company. And if something works out, something works out. And so I flew back out to Arkansas, picked up my car and came back. And I started just digging more into it. And finally they made her mad enough where she was, where she was like, all right, let's just do this. And at that time we didn't have much time and I won't get too much into this because, but in 2015 in October, there was a big a regulation change called TRID in our industry. And she was really worried about not having enough time because now we're like end of July. She was worried about not having time before then to get set up. And she was worried about where her current clients would go while we were starting this, starting this company. And so in a roundabout way, we got linked up with these guys from Eagle Gate 
who owned three branches up north. They'd always been interested in St. George. They just never wanted to run it. Uh, they just wanted to have partners that could run it and it would be set up like a franchise. And so um, we met with them. We heard about them on a Friday. We met over the weekend, uh, me and her and this, this other partner that was gonna come in on it with us. And then Monday, he backed out. Tuesday, the Eagle Gate guys came down. Or no, Tuesday, we talked to Eagle Gate. Um, Wednesday, they came down. We had an agreement in place. Thursday, went out and bought all the equipment, set it all up here upstairs in our office. And by Monday, we were up and operating. And Jeez. so it was like this 10-day this ten day change of our life. And But we needed that. And so the Eagle Gate guys were like, hey, if you just want to get up and have be have be with us until you're up and running and then rebrand and do your own thing like we're we're totally fine but as soon as we met those two we were like these guys are partners like these are like the ideal partners and it would allow us to be able to to do transactions throughout the whole state and to deal with them is they would handle all of our back-end stuff and that is what allowed me from day one to just focus on growth um, because we didn't, I wasn't going to get bogged down with all the, all the backend stuff that goes into running a title company. And so from there, um, we just started running and, um, that was August 10th of 2015. So it's been, uh, just over seven years. We just hit our seven year mark this year. And what I told her was the same as it is today. I was like, you handle what you do. I'll handle what I do, and and you don't have to worry about anything other than getting transaction transactions closed. And at the time, she had three assistants that we brought with us. Um, two of them ended up leaving a, a time after that, but Tori, who was with her and has been with her for 15 years, is still with us, and it's like her right hand. And we've just built out this amazing team around those two, um, and we've just tried to be different in a lot of ways to be able to create those raving fan experiences. And it's been like the ultimate partnership. Like it's every, every um, weakness that I have is her strength and every weakness that she has is my strength. And it changed our family's course forever. And I'll always be grateful that it happened. That's so cool, Pretty man. And that's, that is crazy. That whole story. I mean, there's a lot to kind of unpack there. I got a few questions yeah. and stuff that we'll kind of go through. But I think that what you kind of finished in saying there, like it's the perfect partnership is is so cool. And you kind of have these multiple partnership things going with like you and her and then you guys and the, the main Eagle Gate title guys. So we'll kind of dive yeah. into all that. But sure. so kind of to, to put an outline over everything, right? So you're selling for Vivint, you're going door to door, you... Well, I'll even backtrack a little bit on top of that. So you go on your mission, you come home, you're like, I don't know what I want to do, which is probably like 99% of people that go on their missions and comes home have no idea what they want to do. They're yeah. like, I just had this crazy life experience and now I, I don't know what I want to do for the rest of my life. I was right. one of those people as well. Um, but you know that you want to take control over your life, right? You know that yeah. you're like, I want my freedom. I want my control. I want to choose what I want to do. I don't want to be bogged down with other things. Like I want to intentionally live my life. Right. Yeah. Right. So you go get into sales, right? You're going and selling for Vivint. And then one of the times you come home and your buddy's got the gym, 
right? So you think, well, this would be a cool opportunity. Like I want to invest. I want passive income. I want to be a business owner and have my hand in like a couple different pots. So you yes. get into the gym. Now, one thing I wanted to ask you about the gym. So, so you said it kind of became more of a, a full-time job thing for you, right? What, yeah. what kind of transition there? How did that happen? And like, how did it go from you were doing Vivint and then you had to come, you went, you came home after Vivint one summer and like, you were just full-time in the gym and you're like, this is not yeah. what I expected. So as you know, with summer sales guys, you come home and you have nothing to do for one, right? You come home from a grind of a summer and really you don't want to do anything. You want to just hang out and you, or that's what, or I guess most guys come home, they get their backhand checked, they blow it. And then they just kind of hang out and do blitzes throughout the, the winter and prepare for the next one. Right. And and I didn't, but I didn't want to come home and just do nothing. So I just, I, I was hanging around the gym more and Kate, my, my business partner needed help. And, um, in ways that, that were, I, I just needed to be around more than what was anticipated. Um, and I just kind of got sucked into it. Not that it, not sucked into it in a bad way, mm -hmm. but just in a way that I was here I would go up to Vivint. Uh, I'd go. Our Cedar. Our office was based out of Cedar. Um, that's actually where I initially heard of Brody. Um, in in Vivint was through the Cedar offices. I'd go up to Orm every once in a while. I would travel. Um, you know, Vivint was always. We were always doing something, right? With, with but fun stuff. And while I was here, I was just always at the gym. And we kind of just started to have. You know, we started building momentum and. And I was just getting more involved and I felt like I just needed to be more involved. <clears throat> and, but it was never, that was never the intention. Um, that was more out of, out of need. Um, and again, that life, I enjoyed a lot of, lot of parts of the gym life. There was also parts of the gym life that I did not like at all. Um, and I just knew that it was never going to be my thing, but I wanted to give it every possibility I have. I had a, of it, of it succeeding um and ultimately it, ultimately we shut down in 2016 um, and went separate ways and um i learned so much from that uh, as a business owner investor so much from it uh, i was able to start eagle gate with so much knowledge uh just in tracking just one of the things was just tracking my the revenues and expenses as easy as that sounds it's not and I feel like most business owners don't do that. Mm -hmm. And I had a uh, one of our clients tur that turned into a mentor for us that's turned into one of my good friends. And we're still friends today. He runs a successful company here. He just sat me down one day and, and, and showed me his really easy spreadsheet that he would follow. And I started doing that. And I was able to start Eagle Gate day one with that. Um, and just, just that's just one of many lessons that I learned uh, the hard way, um, because we had money that just disappeared. Like it's crazy money. Just, if you don't track it, it's poof gone. And, and it's so powerful and just the tracking of it. Um, and then I've even taken it a step further than that. I, I follow the profit first system, uh, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. One of the best, one of the, like, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now without my CPA uh first and then without the without the profit first system it's organized me so much and organization is not 
really one of my my strong points it's one of, i'm more i'm my brain's just all over the place and i I, have, I wear so many different hats but my spreadsheet and the profit first system has has kept me kept me organized in that regard which has helped so much what is uh for the listeners that might not know what it is what's kind of a brief a brief explanation of what the profit first system is so the profit first system is you basically have five different accounts you have a income account where all the income comes into and then you have four accounts set up based on percentage all, per, or allocation percentages for operating expenses uh owner distribution profit and taxes and before i just had one big operating account and kind of just in my brain was keeping track of what i thought was enough for taxes what i thought was enough for everything and my my spreadsheet helped me because i would kind of keep track there but once i set up those four and all so all your income goes into the one and then every time you put income in there you allocate it based on the percentage that you've that you've determined and his thing is helping people to make a one percent profit because most people that get that book they're just swimming like we've met like i was saying they're just swimming underwater they're just like money's coming in money's going out there's no organization or anything and so he's like just get to one percent profit pay yourself profit first and i didn't necessarily have that problem but i had the problem of just not really being completely honed in and so i just made my allocations every time income goes in i allocate it between those four that way throughout the whole year i know my tax money it, it, that's the biggest thing is my operating account and my taxes those two i just know and and i it's just money that i that i just know is i i can always count on to be what i need um but yeah, it's super powerful book. I recommend it for any business owner. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I think it's a great way to, like you're saying, you're you're intentionally planning ahead for these things, right? It helps you stay organized and it helps you plan for the expenses that obviously arise, right? right. So that's awesome. And for I didn't sure. know, one thing I didn't know was, uh, sounds like you were still a part of the gym, still had ownership in the gym, even when you started Eagle Gate Title. Like yeah. you started in 2015 and then the gym closed down in 2016. Yeah. So, um, yeah, for the first, for that first year of Eagle Gate, I was doing both. And actually I'd started an Amazon business too. I went through, I went through this whole, like, I want to be everything I want to do. I want to have all these streams of income. And, and I quickly realized that it's good to have, it's good to have multiple streams of income. Um, but even better if you can hone it in on one area. So, that's what I've done now is like Eagle gate is my, is my, uh, the money maker. And then I have investment properties and things associated with real estate that are also that it's all the same world though. Right. I mean, I had a gym, I had a title company and I had an Amazon business. And anyway, I, I gave up the Amazon business and then we shut down the gym, but that first year, I mean, I would wake up my, I would be at the gym from early in the morning till about eight. And then I would go home shower and then come to the Eagle gate throughout the day. And then at five, I would go back to the gym from five to about seven. And that's how I lived my first, the first year of Eagle gate. So Jeez, just absolute hustle culture there. Right. 
No, but I think that's cool. I think what you said, I, I interviewed someone on, on the podcast as well that has a, uh, has a storage facility, right? And mm-hmm. he talks about like the cash cow versus like the farm. And it's like the difference right. between like your cash cow, it may take some more active income, but that income usually comes in and it's making you more money. And then yeah. you take that money and go put it into the farm, which helps build wealth and helps, you know, grow. Um, yeah. I think in, in our world today, we always think about like, we hear that saying, everyone talks about it takes like each, whatever, each billionaire or billionaire or whatever, like they have seven to eight streams of income. Right. And while that's true, what I think people kind of get wrong is this is my opinion, is that a good way to go about that is not, you need to have seven or eight completely different businesses or different, whatever, right. like it can all be centered in one thing. You can have your big money maker, which is like the title company. And then you build other streams of income around the title company that are all linked to the title company, but right. they're in the same niche. They're in the same realm. Yes. Right. So a lot of times yeah. you look at creators out there who maybe have like a YouTube channel. Well, their seven streams of income are YouTube, the affiliate links that they put on their channel that you go purchase products that they use their merch, their course content, their whatever, right? But all that yeah. stuff is wrapped around their brand of their YouTube channel of whatever it's about, right? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of just food for thought. But yeah, so yeah. diving and again into that, that into that story. So you do the gym, you're realizing it's becoming way more of like a, a nine to five than you probably wanted it to be. Like you, and I think, this is just my opinion as well. I think that it kind of became that for you just because you're, you're obviously a go-getter as well. You're kind of like, Hey, like this didn't happen because like I was forced into it. Like I knew that there was need in the gym and I needed to fill it. And I just knew that that was me and that's the person that I am. So I think that's a good, good kind of transition. Right. Um, but then you realize again that this wasn't what you wanted to do long-term. So you're visiting with your mom one day and she's talking about how the title company she's working for is, is going out of business. They're getting bought out by another one. And do you, do you feel like there was an aha moment or was there anything like, or was it just as simple as like, obviously you knew you wanted to start a business. You knew you wanted to be an entrepreneur. You knew you wanted all these things because that was your vision. You already had that vision created for you. So it kind of, I'm sure it came natural to just say like, why don't we start a title company? Like we already have kind of all the pieces we need already. Right. Like you've been doing yeah. this for longer than I've been alive. So yeah. do you feel like it was any, like she said that and you were like, Oh, boom, slap in the face. This is it. Or were you kind of just like, Hey mom, why don't we start one? Like just cause you already no, knew that you wanted to do something. It was, it was a, as close to an, if not an aha moment, as close to an, uh, as close to an aha moment as possible, because I just knew there that opportunity like as soon as she's i'm not kidding i wish i had had it recorded but as soon as she finished telling me the story i with with passion in my voice i said why don't we just start our own like you've done this i can grow it i know that i can do it worst case scenario if things don't work out you can go work for somebody else and i'm 25 like i can go like i'll figure it out right but I had so much conviction that I knew that we could do it. It was definitely an aha moment. And what's crazy is it's literally, it's me. It's like the perfect, it's been the perfect business for me to, because it's all about relationships. It's, it's the same thing with it. Like the way I sold Vivint, 
led me right into it's just relationship selling like i don't i'm not out there knocking doors and i'm not just like dialing trying to get you know trying to get deals in the door it's like i'm going out building relationships and saying hey we love that you bring us your business and like what can i do to ensure that you keep bringing your business here how can i add more value and really it's in that it's building a friendship and people want to work with who they're friends with and so it's like the perfect business for me i didn't realize that at the time at the time i actually one idea that i had after selling vivant was to become a real estate agent just because i i had friends in it and i i had gotten into real estate i bought my first property and i knew that real estate was a way that i could control my life here in st george um and so when that happened i knew nothing about title like i knew my mom closed houses growing up like but other than that i had no idea i didn't know what it meant to be an escrow officer and i didn't know how to explain it when people asked me so i just said i don't know she just closes houses um <laughs> but i knew with the same conviction that i had selling home automation on the doors i knew that i could sell her um i knew because of she had done it for so long i grew up she was a work a workhorse there was times during the boom of the 2000s where she would go home at nine at nine or ten o'clock at night there's been there's countless days way too many days i try to get her away earlier but there's nine ten eleven o'clock days even now and she's the ultimate workhorse and i knew that i could sell that um and i knew that we could grow from that and so i just as soon as she said it i was like this has got to be it and that's why i don't, can't remember how many days passed by but i flew back out to arkansas and i picked my car up because like i knew that that's what needed to i knew that i needed to at least do everything i could to try to start it right and i was gonna say that was even before luckily, the business was like created like your car was in yeah. arkansas where you were selling you flew home to st george to come visit yeah. your mom this whole conversation happened and then like business wasn't even started yet. She wasn't on board yet. It, it was, it was yeah. still nothing. It was still just an idea. And then you were like, nah, I need to be here for this. Cause this could be, this could be it. Yeah, so you true. fly to yeah. Arkansas, grab your car and drive home. You're like, I can't be out there. I need to be in with my mom, like talking about these things. Cause yes. it could be, be what it is. I think that's yeah. cool. There's, there's a couple things that I want to want to go through there because again, I, I think it's so important like one of my favorite sayings is that it's going to be really hard to get where you want to go if you don't know where you want to go like i don't know what the what the saying or whatever is but it's like it's hard yeah. to get there if you don't know where there is right like if you don't have a clear picture or vision or image or why then you have no direction right for sure um kind of reminds me of like the, the, I think there's like a thing, the Cheshire cat thing, right? Where he's like on the tree and she's faced with the two rows and she's like, oh, where yeah. do I go? And he's like, where are you trying to get to? And she's like, I don't know. And he's like, well, then it doesn't matter. So yeah. anyways, I think creating that clear vision is so crucial. You already had that, but what that allowed you to do was when this opportunity came up where your mom's like, company's getting bought out, whatever, you instantly could jump on and, and feel the passion behind well, why don't we start one? And then on top of that, so many people, I have these conversations all the time. So many people want to start a business. They want to change their life. They want to do whatever, right? But it starts off as an idea. And then when the motivation of that idea dies down, 
then they just leave it and they never, and they don't do it again yeah. until the motivation comes up again. And then it becomes another motivator, but then there's just no discipline. There's no action behind it. So oh, yeah. like you sat there convincing your mom for, I think you said two months before she was like, all right, cool. Like I'll, I'll, I'll give you a little bit to, to bite off now. Like we can, we can, <laughs> we can do this. And then if it happens, it happens or whatever. Right. But that's yeah. all you needed to go get the ball rolling. Right. So I think that's so crucial. And those are just the kind of the two keys that I want to point out. One is having the clear vision, the clear why. And then two is don't let the like dream die down. Like, like take action on it, like be aggressive towards it in a, in a nice way, obviously, but like, it's just going to die if you don't, if you don't feed it. Right. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll even fast forward a little bit now and go to where you find the Eagle gate title guys. So how did, how did that all come about? Yeah, so we just we uh, had the, it kind of got out that we were looking for an, something, an opportunity, and there was a title searcher here in town that we still that we still do work with that approached us and said, "Hey, I heard you guys are looking. I know these guys in in the Eagle Gate guys. They're in Provo, and he was going to be our third partner, and uh, that's how we got connected to them, and." Um, my mom's boss who was going to work, he was going to stay on and then didn't end up staying on. We were all just talking over that weekend. And then I met with this searcher and we were starting to put together numbers and my mom, Les, that's how I refer to her in her name's Leslie, but I refer to her as Les in, in business world. But she told the company that she was working for that she was leaving it on. So I met with him Sunday night. And we put together this, what we thought was a plan for number, you know, just a projection. And then I had her tell the company she was working for that she was going to be done on, on Monday. So Monday at 10 o'clock, she tells them she's out. And, um, so by mid afternoon, I hadn't heard from him and I, I reached out a few times and I'm like, Oh, what's going on? Like, Am I getting ghosted at that point? There wasn't a thing as such a thing as ghosted. Right. But I'm, I'm like, uh, is he, you were, like, you were, it. you were on? the, you were the first person ever ghosted, dude. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and so I'm like, what's going on here? And you know, he turned to evening and I still didn't get anything from him. And finally later that night, he texted me. He's like, Hey, I can't go through with this. Um, but just link up with, I gave Matt and Chris your number. And those are the Eagle gate guys. They'll call you tomorrow. And it ended up just being me and my mom that, that partnered on it and nobody else. And I'm forever grateful for that because it's allowed us to, uh, it's just family businesses can be really hard um, and they can destroy family. They can destroy friendships, but the reverse is it's the best thing that could ever happen. And just for the fact that it's just me and her operating this thing down here, this thing and nobody else um has been a has been a blessing even though it would have been cool to have him on board um it's just been really cool that it's just been me and her so what i wanted to ask you this again i think there's a lot of people who have like the idea of a business that they want to start or like even they have all these people that they could identify as like potential partners on on a real estate deal or on a business or on yeah. whatever but people like hit those roadblocks that then keeps them from like moving forward. Like, 
I'm sure that you face roadblocks throughout this whole process as well, like where you were convincing your mom or where you were like figuring out how to even start a title company, how to open one, like doing all that kind of stuff. Like yeah. what's kind of your advice to those people who I guess have the idea or have the drive or have the whatever, but how do they like see it through to the finish line? Like, d does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's just a matter of it's, I'm one that maybe to a fault, you know, the whole analysis paralysis where people just think and think and think and think, and they just, they overthink. I overthink a lot of things in life. What I don't overthink <laughs> a lot of times are business decisions. And, but most of the time it works out. Like it's same with investment decisions. There's a lot of times where I have to make a quick decision and a lot of people out of fear would just be like, no, I can't make the decision. Whereas I've made the decision and it's worked out really well for me. Um, I think the biggest thing is just getting out of your own head and just, and if you have that passion and that desire and you, you feel like you can make that thing work, don't let your head get in the way of it. That's, that's my biggest thing. Analysis paralysis is the worst kind of problem because it just doesn't allow you to, it doesn't allow you to get anywhere. Uh, and that's what I think you don't have to be careless and just say yes to whatever. I mean, there's plenty of times where I've said no to myself or to things. Um, but having an open mind and, and, and allowing, allowing things to happen, I think is, is the biggest thing. I love that. I think it's a great, a great insight there. I would even like to add to that there. And, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, if this was in your case or not, but a lot of people that I talk to, they, they have those moments too, where they, they found this other partner that really helped them like take them over the edge. Right. Like really just like hit the finish line, but that was never like the plan. Like they would have done yeah. it either way. Like they would have figured out a way to do it if this person never would have came into the picture. But Again, just because they have the mindset, they have the vision, they have the whatever, when this person comes into the picture, it's just like they can recognize it for what it is and how it's going to help them get there. And it's going to be easier. And like you're saying in your case, like it brought in all these back end elements to your business that you didn't need to go figure out now. But that doesn't mean that you wouldn't have figured it out. You still would have. Does, does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You just and that's where that's where the open mindedness comes into play, because you have to think about. You know, I could have been like, you know what, we don't need, we don't need to pay. We don't, because essentially it's set up like a franchise where based on our production, there's a percentage that's, let's looked at as like a royalty that mm -hmm. goes to them. And I, if I wouldn't have been open to the idea of that, I would have been like, nope, actually we're going to do our own thing. It's going to cost way more to start up and we're going to have to hire somebody to do all this backend stuff. Um, Honestly, it'd be interesting to see where I was today. Um, but because I had the open mind um, of allowing allowing that, I think that's where a lot of people get caught up too, is that whether it's selfish reasons or it's or it's just closed-minded, small thinking, you know, that kind of thinking doesn't get you very far. And if you think bigger and if you think more with an open mind to possibilities, um, things end up, I think working out better long-term I love and that. that's thinking in general, you know, it's the whole, um, scarce versus versus abundant mindset. And I talk about it yeah. all the time because I can usually, I can usually fill someone out 
pretty quickly uh, if it's if it's scarce or or abundant the way they operate and i'm all about abundant thinking and <clears throat> that's just goes hand in hand with you know having an open mind well, i love that and i think it's always good for me because i'm I'm probably the definition of analysis paralysis that I think too much about things. You're you're probably talking to me and you're like, man, Kurt's got the scarcity mindset, but I'm working on it. I'm no working way, on it. I'm, I'm getting no further way. into the abundance mindset. So, um, all right, I got a couple questions for you. We've come up on on almost an hour. So, I, again, man, I appreciate you for for hopping yeah. on and spending some time with me. Um, no, I, I wanted to ask it. you one question about again, kind of your backstory that I think is going to be helpful for a lot of listeners. And then I got three questions to to close out that I ask every okay. guest. Sound good? Yeah. Cool. So the one question that I had was you talked about relationship selling and kind of like your experience in Vivint and how you learned how to do that and become effective there. And like being a business owner, especially in, in the title space and how that's about creating relationships and relationship selling, right? I think so many people get mm -hmm. stuck in the working in the business. And even when they're working on the business, they're thinking about scale, they're thinking about whatever, but like you're again, focused on the people and the relationships and how that in itself can really help you scale and grow. And it's what you love and what you're good at, right? So my yeah. question with that is, what are maybe some some tips or some insights that you can give to listeners to be better at doing relationship sales? Man, well, <clears throat> I think one thing is to be a giver and not a taker, which goes in hand with abundant and scarce <clears throat> mindset. If you go in thinking, how do I make this person's life better? That even if you don't, even if you don't get deal, even let's say, so in my, in my world, let's say there's a real estate agent and they're sending their business somewhere else. And I meet this real estate agent and we start to connect and, and I just find ways to make their life easier. I might not even see deals from them for some time. And I might even bring up to them, Hey, like, I know you have a, I know you have your go-to if anything ever happens like I'm here to help. Like if they're ever too busy or if something happens, like, let me know. And that approach I think goes a long way. Um, because then you're not coming in, you know, especially if they're people that you know already, you're not coming in feeling like, Hey, we're, we're friends. So I'm entitled to, to what you're doing or like, I should just automatically get what you're doing. Right. And I think it, the, the mindset of being a giver versus a taker is the, is one of the big things because if, like I said, if you go in and you focus on making their life better, easier, whatever it is, whatever you're selling, um, and you're not pushy on them and you're just kind of selling yourself in a way that makes it so it's just attracting them to you to where it's like, even if you don't start working with them that day, whether it's in two weeks or three months, or there's even been two years where I've talked to people they didn't send me anything forever. And then one day it was just like, I got a deal. I'm going to send it your way. And then it just, I don't know. I think just not being entitled and being a giver uh, is, will make you go a long way. Thinking long-term versus thinking about the deals you're getting today. Cause it's Dude, taken that's... me a long time to build up this business. And we went from doing 20 orders a month, 20, 25 closings a month when we started to, during the peak of the insanity in 2020, 2021, 
there were times where we did 240, 250 closings. And we've gone back down uh, because obviously there's not as many deals happening right now. But to build that up, you have to think long-term. You can't just be thinking about the next deal today. You have to think about the relationships that you have going years ahead of time. That's so good, dude. I <laughs> That's so good. There's so much value there because, again, it goes back to what we also said earlier, like treat every single interaction like it's a networking opportunity, right? Like. Yeah perfectly said when you said it, like it might not be business today, but it could be business next month, next year, next whatever. Yeah, right. And that's sure. still business because you created value in the moment. And I wanted to point out, I think a lot of people think like, oh, I'm just going to bug them or, oh, I'm just going to bug people when I tell them oh, or yeah. when I, whatever. Right. It's like, dude, you're really not the way that I even heard where you kind of, where you explained the situation. Like if you go to an agent or whatever and said, Hey, look, I know you have your guy, which is great. Like, I'm not trying to step on toes, like keep using them because they're awesome and they work for you. I just want to let you know, like I'm open and available. So if there's ever a time where they can't help you, like shoot it my way and I would love to like earn your business, right? Yeah. And what you don't realize you do in that situation, because a lot of people hear it as like, oh man, you're just being pushy. You're just trying to get them to leave their person or whatever. And it's like, no, like what would they have to do if their person was busy? They're, they're looking on Google. They're trying to find the title company that's going to help them out. They're spending half an hour to an hour, like making calls, the title company, reaching out to another agent. Hey, who do you use for a title company? I yeah. need one right now. Like blah, blah. Like you're saving them so much time by just planting the seed and saying, Hey, if this issue ever arises, like shoot me a text. I'm happy to help you. Like, I'd love to help out. And that actually will save them time in the future. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, for sure. but again, it's all about how you treat people. If you go into it with a taking mentality, what can I gain from this person? You're going to lose every time. But yeah. if you go into the interaction with a man, how can I make this person's life easier and, and genuinely mean it? Like there's so yeah. much value and so much joy that comes from giving and helping other people. Oh, yeah. That's where you, that's where you really get fulfillment in your life. Right. Totally. 100%. I love that. So let's dive into these uh, these three questions, man, and uh, and we'll close it okay. out with you, okay? Cool. One of them you actually kind of already answered earlier, but my first question for you is, what advice do you have for people that have a hard time getting started? So again, this might be people who like, the example that I like to give is someone's looking at themselves in the mirror and they're saying, I want to start that business or I want to I wanna lose weight or I want to whatever, and then six months passes and they, they look at the same person in the mirror. I guess the... The since I already covered the one, you know, analysis paralysis and just just do it right. Just just start to <clears throat> do it. I think the other thing is more of the not so much goal setting. I don't know how to I don't know how to say it, but more so like think about you know because I just did this. I was getting out. Of, I was getting off my. I I tend to be a healthy person for the most part, but I also love treats. And there was a couple month period where it was getting out of control and I had to hone myself in. Right. And so I would set, I would just set like daily berry. I would set like daily things in my phone that would remind me what, to, like, it would just remind me, right. It would just always have it on my brain. So I guess the, it, another thing would just be to, if you really want to make it happen, find some of the little things that you can do to just get the ball rolling. 
that's I love another, that. I guess another another idea. Great explanation, and I think that's super valuable. We have we have so many tools at our fingertips, like our phone, you know, reminders or alarms or whatever. Yeah. Like uh, one of the biggest advice that I give people is, if you really want to do something, like give yourself an hour every day that you spend working towards that thing. Like people probably look at your story and think, oh man, McCray started his company when he got hooked up with the Eagle Gate title guys and him and his mom like started on that Monday, right? But the thing is, is you started throughout the entire process beforehand. Like you had already decided when you told your mom, hey, let's start a company. Like let's just start our own title company. And I think that's where people get confused a lot of the time is you looked at that as a starting point and then you set your goals and your vision and you sold your mom and all these kind of things. That sounded weird. You convinced your mom (laughs) through all those things in the process that it was the right move. And then, you know, you kept moving forward from there, right? Like that's, that's where the starting point happens. It's not, you look at yourself in the mirror and say, I want to start a business. And then, you know, a week goes by and you haven't started a business. Like, consider that your starting point and just give yourself an hour a day. Like instead of watching Netflix for three hours, like do research for an hour and like, you'll figure out real quick if that's what you want to go do or not. Right. I love that. This, this other question was the one that I think you already kind of answered. So we'll, we'll kind of skip over it. But the question was about what advice do you have for people to stay motivated or consistent when things get hard? And you talked about that earlier with like the analysis paralysis and, and getting outside of your head and just continued going, right? We talked about the roadblocks and what that means. So along along with that too, though, uh, just when things get hard, because I've, I've dealt with this recently, we're coming off two years of constant up like we were breaking our own records every month for a while it was like and it was there was so much volume happening in real estate that it was just like this up 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 and i always knew that at some point there would have to become there would have to be a down right there would it wasn't sustainable the way it was and so this whole time i'm like yep you know what when that time comes i'm gonna be ready for it like i'm gonna be mentally ready and I'm going to be, you know, financially ready and it's going to be fine. But then it comes and it's like, whoa, like where did all the volume go? Like, <laughs> and, you know, we're not, we're not, we're still, things are still happening. Right. And it, we're not, we're not going anywhere. But at the same time, sometimes the fear has crept into my brain. And I actually went to a Justin Prince um, uh, little seminar, whatever you call it for an hour. And everything that he said that day, it hits so hard for me and just, just the fear versus faith, you know, and that mindset alone, it, it goes so far when things get hard and things are hard right now. Like I'm coming off the two slowest weeks of that I've had since like 2017. It's crazy. And it's like in my brain, I'm like, Oh, but I just know that there's going to be opportunities also in this as well. And I just have to keep, I'm, I'm financially ready for it. I'm immensely trying to be ready for it emotionally. It's just a matter of, of continuing the grind and those that work through it are going to, you know, going to be the ones that make it separate the men from the boys, women from the girls. Absolutely, man. I love that. Uh, last question for you. What's your next big goal and why? Oh, my next big goal. Um, 
my next big goal in business is, you know, I've, I've gotten really into Web3. This is a completely different topic, uh, crypto, blockchain, Web3. And I see a future in real estate and the blockchain. Um, things are already happening, uh, but it's still so very early. And I don't know, I, one of my goals is to somehow link those two together and, and be on the forefront of whatever happens there. Still very early, but there are conversations that I'm, I haven't done anything yet, but the, it's in my brain every day. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to network and connect with people that, that have that same vision or goal. And I think that it could be something very likely. So that's, that's a discussion for a whole other day, but that's one of my goals. I was going to say, I think that's super cool. That's it. I don't know why this popped in my head when you said that, but it's like, we, we never know what like the next crazy big thing's going to be. That's going to go like break the world, break the business world, break the real estate, whatever. Right. But what we do know how to do is we understand like the, the five things that like are the direction it looks like they're heading and we can start consuming content and increasing our knowledge about those five things and almost start, you know, planting the seeds in those five buckets. And then yeah. guess what? As long as we're prepared and working towards those things, these four might fall apart, but because we still planted this seed and now we can recognize it and shift we can then be like you're saying on the on the forefront of that. And I think that's super cool. That's that's yeah. like you're saying. That's a whole nother discussion topic. But that's something you and yeah. I have to go jam on sometime when we go. Uh, we go hit up Top Golf or whatever for when sure. we go golfing. So, heck yeah. Definitely. All right, man, dude. Again, thanks so much for coming on, man. This has been a blast. I've had yeah, a ton you. of fun talking to you. Um, anything else you wanna you wanna leave for the listeners? Any any kind of final thoughts? Uh, just uh. Fear, just faith over fear. Just do, just do it. That's all. <laughs> I love it, dude. That's what it really comes down to. What's uh, If people want to follow you, follow your journey, I know that you have a really cool, um, I don't know what you call it, kind of show or, or series yeah, or whatever that you document as well. So maybe tell people where they can find you and I'll link it in the show notes and stuff below so people can go check it out. Cool, yeah. So one of my, my marketing campaign, uh, for Southern Utah is it's a video series called what's happening in Southern Utah. It's a newsletter that I send out once a month. I've done it since 2015 when we started 2016 ish. And um, a couple years ago I added videos. So now about once a week I do a video in a different part of town showcasing what's happening there. Uh, commercial real estate, residential real estate, um, new businesses, all different kinds of stuff. Um, I've got a YouTube channel. It's just me, McCray Hepler. Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn as well. Um, all just my personal pages. So um, if you want to know what's happening in Southern Utah, and it's a lot, um, check it out. And uh, it's it's fun to do. I really enjoy it. Love it. Sounds good, brother. Go check him out, everyone. Thanks again, McCray, for coming on. It's been a blast, dude. And this is Thank Kurt you. signing off for the Built Backstory podcast. We'll see you later, guys.